think back to what you were doing 23 years ago, if you can go back that far. How different was your world? How different were you? If you were old enough, it might seem like yesterday in a lot of ways. But the world we lived in was a far cry in many ways from what we know today. CDs were king and vinyl was on life support. Downloading music was brand new. The Rolling Stones charging $100 or more for concert tickets made people gasp. Smartphones were just a dream. The word blog was coined, but the word podcast was years away. And no one was using the term Americana music yet. It sounds cliche, but it's still true to say that it was a simpler time when demand for the string band music of the even simpler time of decades before that was at an inflection point. While legacy artists like John Hartford and Doc Watson were still releasing records, newcomers like the Freight Hoppers were few and far between. But 1999 was a pivotal year for Roots music. Old Crow Medicine Show was born and quickly found its niche in the tradition, combining purest ideals with boundless energy. Before long, Doc Watson himself handpicked the group to play in the lineup of Merlefest after hearing them busking on a street corner, and the Grand Old Opry put them on stage as well, fulfilling, as Catch Secor said later, their need for somebody to be the fruit jar drinkers up there. Eight studio collections, several live albums, a multi-platinum single, and two Grammy Awards later, they continue to bring in new fans at the same time that they are revered as pioneers for Roots music. Their sound has evolved to incorporate percussion and a rock and roll sensibility that is sonically a ways away from their beginnings. But their music has remained immediately identifiable as Old Crow Medicine Show over all these years, and Catch Secor is a big reason why. This spring, the band returned to Merlefest, the music festival which began in 1988 as a tribute to the late Merle Watson, Doc Watson's son. They were touring in support of their new album, Paint This Town, which was recorded in their own new studio and features several new members. I spoke with Ketch ahead of their main stage show that night, where their set featured this song, DeFord Rides Again, which celebrates the great DeFord Bailey. In this episode, Ketch talks about the current lineup of Old Crow Medicine Show, his time living off the land in Avery County, North Carolina when the band first formed, his recent fascination with music from equatorial Africa and Texas border country, how he always wants to be, as he puts it, a mockingbird, and much more, including more music from Paint This Town. I'm Joe Kendrick, and this is our episode on Catch Secor, an Old Crow Medicine Show on Southern Songs and Stories. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. 
Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. Catch, talking about your new record, Paint This Town, you've got all sorts of you know new band members in the mix, your own studio for the first time. Could you tell us about making the record and, and how did Matt Ross Spang factor in? Well, sure. We got a brand new record out, uh, Paint This Town. It came out um, last week and we're just so excited to to have our um, our new album out there in the world and a celebration of the 23rd year now of Old Crow Medicine Show that, you know, had had such a, um, found such a lily pad and springboard here in North Wilkesboro 20 some odd years ago when we had a chance performance here and ended up going to Nashville and, you know, making it. So all these years later, um, you know, it becomes just as important to, um, to create new collections of work. And we've got a, an exciting new album that we co-produced along with a skinny kid from Memphis uh, who had sat at the feet of Cowboy Jack Clement, just like I did, and uh, thought that Gus Cannon was the greatest banjo player alive, or dead in, this, in that case. And so he passed the, um, the, uh, the criteria. Well, let's talk about your bandmates. You've got several new fellas. Um, let's see, Jerry, Mike, and Mason, I think, are the newest members. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is the dream team y'all i've been waiting to get this collection together um we've always had a rotating cast of characters and in old crow and that's just kind of part of the you know the 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 the, the, what makes us a medicine show in the modern sense is that we're um you know we got as much pt barnum and silas green as we do you know record labels and management and Mm -hmm. tour buses and all that (laughs) there's a a kind of big top tent personality to the band yep with hucksterism and you know if somebody would just damn sponsor us we'd love to do some product placement (laughs) i bet you could (laughs) we're Um, in sales man this is a sales job yes it is and and we just love to sell good music and a good time and um and this this group of pickers um has really helped us do it in a in a wonderful way in a in a warm and meaningful way uh, jerry pentecost has been with us for about three years now and he's a world-class drummer america uh, nashville's most beloved percussionist you know, mike comes to us from chris stapleton's band um Yet we've been um, circ- circling one another since since uh, our days with the Mumford Boys a decade ago. And uh, Mason Vi is a, a real new discovery for a lot of people who love roots music. Uh, Mason is a, is the same age as this band, and um, he brings such a full head of steam for traditional music. And he comes from the regions that we sing about and is very much raised up as a disciple of Old Crow. You know, he was informed by our music when he was coming of age and yeah. sang our songs at Galax and huh. Union Grove and Swannanoa and all those things. 
went to Warren Wilson College, just like I hung out in the parking lot when I was 20. You've said we're living in a time in which there's a great undoing of the mythologies that were created in order for the South to alter its view of itself, and with that undoing comes a repurposing. Can we imagine what that new purpose is? Why well, I said that? Boy, that's a mouthful. <clears throat> i got to edit that down a little bit. I might have to dismantle that like a statue of Robert E. Lee. See if I can rebuild it. That quote about the South. I've lived here a long time, and I'm from here, and I, I've lived in, in western North Carolina, and I've lived in places that, and seen with my own eyes so much that disputes the history that the South likes to tell itself. You know, I see it with black buck dancers. I see it with indigenous fiddlers. You know, I, I see it and hear it with my ears, and uh, I'm tired of pretending that I'm blind to it. And, um, and it's time for a new, better South. It's time to admit that we are that South. For the river that gave her life and Carried us to the crossroads Of doing wrong and making right I love you, Mississippi And I won't be ashamed to cry When the brand new Mississippi flag When the brand new Mississippi flag A bit of New Mississippi Flag by Old Crow Medicine Show, another new song from Paint This Town, a song that speaks to some of the harsh realities of Southern history while imagining a brighter future for it. Ketch is a keen observer of history, culture, and of the moment. He puts all of himself into what he is doing and strives, as Thoreau said, to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life. 23 years ago, he was no different. I asked him about this time in his life and what he learned from the days he called Western North Carolina home. Well, we moved to Avery County, North Carolina in, um, in 1999 that, that winter and uh, um, rented a little house there with uh, about oh, maybe 12 acres of tobacco in an allotment growing behind us. And uh, that was good because, it, because there was a job. There was a, a house and a job. Uh, and uh, we worked um, cutting tobacco and grading it and bringing it in the barn and we hate fields and you know we did all we built fences and worked in the Christmas tree farms and busked on the street corner and played little gigs anywhere we could and it was just such such a um, uh, an industrious time for the band and uh, living in the in this community um, it was really apparent that uh, that there had been some major sociological changes that uh, had happened that people all talked about, 
um, but they weren't readily apparent. You know, there was still tobacco growing, still big trucks driving by, kicking up gravel, um, people going into the shop, um, you know, but but something had, had changed and it was apparent. And you'd look around and you'd be like, where, why isn't there anybody my age that lives here? You know, I, we couldn't hardly find any peers. You know, we were, I was 18 years old, living in Avery County. It was like there was no young people. Um, well, the, you know, their parents, there weren't also weren't a lot of middle-aged people. There were just very, very old people. And it was great for us because that's, you know, we were reading the Foxfire books and trying to, you know, do like like um, the Rose said and suck the marrow out of life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was a good place to do it. But um, there was something, um, something was amiss in the Southern Highlands mm-hmm. when we got up here. And uh, I think that being here before the opioid epidemic, um, when people were just sort of trading in, you know, Laura tabs and um, Percocet um, and still corn whiskey, you know, um, that we were here in a kind of lull before a big storm of change that was about to happen. And we were also here in the lull after a big storm of change had already happened. Um, you know, I lived in a community, this is a long answer, but this is a, uh, there's a lot to the, your question. I like, I like what, this. What was the sociology of the... Yeah, you know, I guess you came from a place that wasn't all that different from Boone. And I just wondered, you know, because that's such an idyllic picture to see you in your young self working the land, reading, you know, unplugged, essentially. And so it's a very romantic sort of picture. Yeah, it was romantic, but it, um, but it was also a bit of a false romance, sort of like the South, you know. Mm. Um, it was easy to think that, well, this is how it's been going on for eons. Um, you know, old ladies make quilts, and they taught us how to make apple butter. And we, we had multiple National Heritage Fellow friends who were all octogenarians. So if that's, if that's what you think the world is, well, that was great. For us, it was so rich. But where were you going to get a job? Well, you were going to work in the service industry uh, for the ski resorts. Uh, and so that's what Beach Creek Community did. They, everybody was a housekeeper or a groundskeeper for somebody at, out at Banners Elk or up at, you know, we had Elk Park addresses, but there wasn't nothing in Elk Park. And we were really, almost really living in Watauga County, but, you know, um, we were a lot closer to Boone than we were to Newland. But Newland was like, you know, full of people from Florida. <laughs> uh, and so the, the shift that was changing about, you know, the 90s, the value of, land, the the tobacco settlements, you know, people were selling their allotments that they'd been saving for their kids right, right out from under them, just turning it into cash, you know, buy a mobile home and that was it. You know, everything that generationally you had worked for to amass, you know, wealth and um, um, stability in the mountain region, um, you know, once the tobacco settlements came out, like nobody had, I mean, they all cashed in. And I felt like we were part, we were privy to a kind of last harvest in this region of the traditional life pathways that had taken place for so, for so long. Um, because, 
I wrote a song about this once called We Don't Grow Tobacco Around Here No More. And it was a song about, you know, um, how all the young folks all moved away. Yep. And that's continued. That That is, if anything, accelerated. Rural areas losing uh, people to cities, essentially. That's where it's, where it's at. I, except there's par- parts in western North Carolina which, um, um, you know, have followed a really different trajectory and they are places like Asheville or um, 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 pl- places that are, are um, part of a, the satellite of Asheville um, and I think you know where your station is kind of straddles both those worlds there at Spindale right mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of communities that are full of young people that are really intentional about living in western North Carolina but I, sh- I didn't live in one of those towns. Yeah, uh, I lived in one of the towns that was emptied out to go to work at Hardee's in Elizabethton because mm-hmm. there wasn't no Hardee's in Beach Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, you look at that. How do you get, how do you win the lottery and have your Western North Carolina community become a place where people that love bicycles go? And how do you get your North Carolina community to be a place that people that love million dollar real estate from Florida go and how do you navigate the two of those things when you're you know you're a graduate of a dwindling high school and there's no job market it's it's you know it's a really tough tough life out there for some folks in these communities and so you wonder why they're pissed off Um, and I know why I would be too Your song used to be a mountain. I wonder about that song in this, uh, as we talk about this, as it seems to me that the, the mountain and the environment is a, is a character of, of its own in that. Uh, what do you think? Well, I, one of the things that uh, was really apparent about when we were looking for places to live um, uh, back in the late 90s, you know, because we were really deliberate about it. Like I, I took this road trip and I was like, well, I know I don't want to live in Asheville. It's, you know, it's too, uh, it's too Asheville. <laughs> I know I don't want to live in Micaville because I can't find a place here. I know, uh, I know I can't find a spot in Burnsville. So we went up to Saltville, Virginia. And then we went west to Saltville up into the coal fields. And I thought, well, we can't live here. And uh, and we figured out that uh, there was a real sweet spot there in Ash County. I was like, oh, hell, let's go to Ash County. That's the spot for a little crow. Uh, we just couldn't find the right digs. But anyway, um, what I'm trying to say is that experiencing living in the Southern Highlands, 
the, the big difference was whether you lived in a place that had hard mining and, or didn't. And hard mining, you know, coal mining or other kinds of mining are, you know, that's rough stuff. And it's destructive. It's a destructive industry. Very much. Um, so a lot of that song used to be a mountain was, was um, it's written from experiences that I had. I mean, I've played all through the coal fields um, with Old Crow for years and years. We, we do good there. That's kind of our people. Um, but I remember once I took this hitchhike, hitchhiking trip from, from where I was living. At, right after we left, we kind of splintered off after we were living in Avery County and Boone. And then I moved right over the state line into Pogee, Tennessee, which was in um, um, like around Mountain City was the mailing address. Anyway, I t- took this hitchhiking trip all the way up into the coal fields up to Ohio. It took me like 35 rides and six days to get there. But it was an epic hitchhiking trip. I thought about it as like hitchhiking the Appalachian Trail. And, uh, and that's uh, what I parlayed into the song used to be a mountain. This kind of kaleidoscope of imagery um, from all of those rides, one after another. Each person having a different story, many of them heartbreaking stories. You know, I remember one lady picked me up at a Walmart parking lot around Pikeville, and she said, I got to get off here. I'm, my poor little grandbaby's in the NICU. Poor thing's born a, born a dang old drug addict. I think when, you're, when your grandchildren are born addicted to drugs, just by privy of the womb that they came out of, you've got, you know, a, a social disorder that's, you know, a disease. And, you know, diseases need, you know, medical treatment. It's not that, it, you know, the fix is, I mean, the fix is all that's been. Everything's about a fix. Lyndon Johnson had a fix. The Great Society gave a nice fix. But it's n- you can't have it both ways. You can't tear it all down to dig what's underneath it and fix it at the same time. Hmm. Ketch, you've lived your life on stage and, and making music. What have you learned that might be helpful to others from all of those experiences? Well, uh, you know, when you when you're a performer, you just you just get up and go. You know, you, once you hit the mic, you become the guy that's holding the mic, and um, and there's shades of it. But you know, I think if you're not that way, if you're not if you're not a performer, it's kind of no point in telling somebody how to do something, <laughs> if unless you're that way. Um, I I like um, I like being a, a singer. Um, and but what I really like is being a writer, uh, being um, being a documentarian. I spent some time around Ken Burns, and I think he has a really enviable gig. Uh, I like telling other people's stories. I've always been that way. I always like to be a kind of um, you know mockingbird. Yeah, it's amazing how busy Ken Burns is. You think, oh well, he's doing a movie. He's like doing five at any given time, right? They're making, they're always in pre-production or in production or something. It's just so many great American stories to tell.
sand Ain't every man's a prisoner Doing his own time Locked out at the gates of glory land Locked out, just knocking At the gates of glory land Stuck out That's Gloryland, a song that Catch Secor co-wrote with Critter Fuqua, a founding and former member of Old Crow. And speaking of co-writes, that brings to mind a name associated with the band from their very beginning, Bob Dylan. No discussion of Old Crow Medicine Show is complete without at least a mention of Catch's most famous co-write, Wagon Wheel, the song that went on to sell more than 2 million copies and currently boasts more than 123 million plays on Spotify. With Gloryland, they evoke Dylan once more with intensely spiritual lyrics and a gospel feel, somewhere along the lines of songs from Dylan's Slow Train Coming. Towards the end of our conversation, I asked Ketch about the difference between who he is on stage and who he is in everyday life. Um, I mean, I think I'm pretty much who I appear to be as a performer in real life. I mean, I, I, you know, I have a, a kind of performer mode um, which is a kind of mask, but I, I might wear that mask at the, you know, grocery store too. I might check out at the Kroger or the Publix with that persona. You know, I tend to be pretty interested in people. I'm a real people person. Um, and um, one of the things that I've loved is um, is is sharing my life as a performer, my professional life and work with with this rotating cast of characters. Everybody who's come into my life as a collaborator has been something, you know, between, you know, brother and girlfriend, you know, it's, yeah. it's a real, um, it's an intimate place when you go out on the road with people and make records and write songs and, you know, you you do some real living, uh, with, with, with these bandmates. And I just feel honored to have, you know, their, you know, to, to have been able to walk a million miles with some of these cats. That's great. Do you have any idea about what might separate you from all of the people that want to have a career like yours? Like, what is it really that got you here? Well, I just wanted to have a career like the people I wanted to have a career like, and I, and I never will. So maybe it's just the sort of grade of that. I remember that I were here at Merlefest and you know, I was I was 18 at Merlefest, and you know I'd had this chance encounter with Doc Watson, who gave us this gig. And but when I got here, I remember hanging out right by Willie Nelson's bus, and Willie Nelson popped out of that bus, and and I got to meet him, and and I thought, you know, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I came here because of Doc, and now I've met another constellation in the you know in the heavens of, of hillbilly music. Um, Willie Nelson's birthday was yesterday and we, we sang the city in New Orleans 
thinking about him and Steve Goodman, who wrote that wonderful song. You know that when you start looking up at the at the constellations of everybody that you love, and you know they never die. You know Doc's not dead. I mean those music that those songs they last. They they make you immortal. Um, you know I think about. Ponce de Leon looking for the fountain of youth somewhere down in the scrub. Um, all that dude needed to find was a fiddle, and he'd have lived forever. <laughs> Are there any styles of music or any instruments that you haven't tried that you have in mind? Yeah, I'm always always uh, finding new songs that inspire me, and new um, you know it tends to be folk music really turns me on. A couple years ago, I got really deep into the, you know, Conjunto and Tejano sounds of the Texas border country and South Texas and the hill country and learned to sing a lot of music like that and play the bajo sexto and bajo quinto. Um, Recently, I did a deep dive on the music of of equatorial Africa, especially Congo and um, Zambia and and, uh, what's now Zimbabwe. You know, they they have a Alan Lomax down there too. This guy named um, Hugh Tracy. You know, a a a, um, a guy that went out and made field recordings, captured all these sounds. It sounds like the Carter family, man. Huh. You know, they're they're singing in French or they're singing in Swahili, but you know, they're living in mining towns. You know, up there in the what they call the Copper Belt. The Katanga, this region of Congo that touches a bunch of other countries. I mean, it sounds like Abingdon. It sounds like Damascus. I mean, it's just like an American story. It's basically there's some kind of mill town where it has been a collection point of all of the, you know, remnant cultures from the hollers all coming together, finding a common tongue and creating a a new kind of music. The title track to Old Crow Medicine Show's new album, Paint This Town, to close out the show. Thanks for listening to Southern Songs and Stories, and I hope you will tell someone you know about this episode on Catch Secor of Old Crow Medicine Show and any of the 83 previous episodes in this series. One of those is titled Wagon Wheel, Anatomy of a Hit, where guest musicians and music professionals relay their insights and stories about the song, which traces its history all the way back to the music of Big Bill Brunzi and Arthur Big Boy Crudup that foretold it, to the almost forgotten sketch that Bob Dylan first gave it, to the ambitious original version of that song brought to life by a couple of homesick Southerners away at school up north. We're glad you have listened all the way through this episode and would be even more so were you to share this with someone. It is super easy to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, and then it will only take a minute to give it a good rating and a review. Great ratings and reviews especially will make Southern songs and stories and the artists it profiles more likely to be found by more people just like you. This series is a part of the lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media with all the Osiris shows available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. 
Thanks to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW, where we worked with Joshua Mink, who wrote and performed our theme songs. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. Hey, one real quick thing. Um, how much of Heartland Hootenanny was improvised in your in your send-ups? I mean, surely you weren't all just totally in the moment for all of that. Because you had to have had some, some, been studying some lines or something. Yeah, the, the Heartland Hootenanny really brought out the inner Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, along with Roy Acuff. I just found a, a, a niche there and really enjoyed, um, you know, the pandemic was pretty good <laughs> for me creatively, kept me busy, and I got to do a lot of writing, which I love to do.